Good morning, everyone. It'd be great to keep your Bibles open at that place, and you might be pleased to uh, know that I'm going to focus on that second passage uh, and not try to imitate the first. <laughs> Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank and praise you that you are a loving God who has come to us in grace and mercy, uh, that you have shown us the way to salvation. And Father, we pray today that you might help us to be committed to walking along that path, that we might follow your ways and come at last to your eternal kingdom. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. There's nothing like the last possible moment to bring things into very clear focus, is there? You're saying goodbye to your family at the airport departure gate or you're waiting with your loved one at the doors into surgery. That final farewell as the couple leave on their honeymoon. It's at moments like these that we really want to say something meaningful and significant. It's the last opportunity we have to say we love you and to give that piece of advice that we've been holding off saying. Well, the second half of Acts chapter 20 is that type of moment for Paul and for the Ephesian elders. Uh, Paul had spent three years with the church in Ephesus, uh, founding the church, growing them, helping them to know the way to follow Jesus. Uh, and then he'd had to leave quite suddenly after this great riot that, uh, that John uh, reminded us of that, uh, that occurred in chapter 19. Uh, from there, Paul had, uh, had been travelling around the region for probably about a year and a half or so uh, before he now heads to Jerusalem and on the way past Ephesus, he has his last opportunity to speak to them face to face as he calls for the Ephesian elders to come down and meet him uh, about uh, uh, 80 kilometres away from Ephesus. Well, as you can imagine, it's an emotional farewell as we see just how close Paul and the, the Ephesians had become uh, over that time. Uh, but we also see the very heart of Paul as he passes on to them his most important piece of advice. Uh, Paul begins in verse 18 by reminding the Ephesians of his time with them. And rather surprisingly, what he wants them to remember is, is not so much what he taught them, but how he taught them. And so when the elders arrived, he said to them, You know how I lived the whole time I was with you. From the first day I came into the province of Asia, I served the Lord with great humility and with tears and in the midst of, of severe testing by the plots of my Jewish opponents. Paul wants the Ephesians to be certain of his message. But a large part of that certainty comes from the way he behaved with them. See, they can be sure that Paul is truly telling them the truth because of the genuine concern and love that he showed for the Ephesians. He didn't come to them thinking he was better than them or, or showing off his fancy learning. Instead, he came humbly amongst them and shared with them what he had learnt. 
Paul's care and concern for them was so great that he was in tears for them. And even when things got tough, even when his Jewish opponents made things very difficult for him, he didn't give up. He kept at teaching them, even at great emotional and even physical cost to himself. A little later on in verse 33, Paul reminds them again how I have not coveted anyone's silver or gold or clothing. You yourselves know that these hands of mine have supplied my own needs and the needs of my companions. In everything I did, I showed you that by this kind of hard work we must help the weak. Remembering the words the Lord Jesus himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Paul was careful not to be a burden to the Ephesians in any way, and certainly not to try and profit from them. His motivation from first to last was to serve the Ephesians and present the gospel to them without anything getting in the way. It stands a bit of a rebuke to me. I'm not sure how it does to you, but do I have that same love and concern? for those around me that I want to see come to Christ? Am I willing to give up my comfort? Am I willing to spend my time and energy going out of my way to the extent that Paul did so that others can hear the gospel, can hear about Jesus? Would they see in the way I go about sharing the gospel with them its truth and power. Would they see that the gospel is genuine because they can see it in the way I behave? As Paul says his final words to the Ephesians, he reminds them of how he has gone about serving them. And he wants them to know this so that they can be certain that he has not held anything back from them. He has given his whole self to them, and not just himself, but the whole message that he has from God. And so in verse 20 he says, You know that I have not hesitated to preach anything that would be helpful to you, but have taught you publicly and from house to house. I have declared to both Jews and Greeks that they must turn to God in repentance and have faith in our Lord Jesus. Paul has told them the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. So help him God. The Ephesians can be completely confident that Paul has told them everything they need to know to be saved and to live for Jesus He taught them publicly, first in the synagogue, and then when uh, uh, he was driven out from there, he moved to a public lecture hall. He made sure that everybody had a chance to hear the message of Jesus. But Paul even met with them personally. He went from house to house to teach them so that they had the chance to to ask their questions and, and to be sure that they understood the gospel. And that gospel is the same for everyone, both Jews and Greeks. There are no longer any exclusive groups that have a special right to God. If we want to be right with God, we must turn back to him. We need to repent of our sins. 
We need to recognise that we deserve nothing from God in ourselves. But we put our trust in Jesus, that he is the one who's paid the price for our sin and that he welcomes us then into the very family of God. Paul has shared so much with the Ephesians that he's able to say in verse 26, I declare to you today that I am innocent of the blood of any of you, for I have not hesitated to proclaim to you the whole will of God. See, Paul wants the Ephesians to be completely certain that they have received absolutely everything there is to know about knowing and serving God. He hasn't held anything back from them. There is no extra knowledge. There is no new learning. There's no secret understanding that they still need to receive. Paul has shared everything with them. Now, as he says his final farewell to the Ephesians, he hands that task of continuing to hold the church on that great message of the gospel over to the elders of the church. So it's now going to be their task to look after the church. And so Paul gives them his most important piece of advice. Now at this last opportunity, what is the thing he really wants to pass on for the good of the church? Verse 28. Keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. I know that after I leave, savage wolves will come in among you and will not spare the flock. Even from your own number, men will arise and distort the truth in order to draw away disciples after them. So be on your guard. Remember that for three years I never stopped warning each of you night and day with tears. Keep watch. Be on your guard. Paul has laid a solid foundation for the church in Ephesus, but that is nothing to relax about. Paul knows only too well that there are other teachers around who will quite happily come in and drag people away from the gospel. It's just in this little while since he last left Ephesus until now that he has written, had to write to the churches in Galatia that he founded. And to them he says this, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let them be under God's curse. Paul had spent over a year and a half establishing the church at Corinth. He's just spent another three months there trying to re-establish the church. And on his way, he'd written to them with these words. I'm afraid that just as Eve was deceived by the serpent's cunning, your minds might somehow be led astray from your sincere and pure devotion to Christ. For if someone comes to you and preaches a Jesus other than the Jesus we preached, or if you receive a different spirit from the spirit you received, or a different gospel from the one you accepted, you put up with it easily enough. The gospel is only just going out into these areas. 
The churches are only just being established. But already there are people distorting the truth. It shouldn't surprise us, though, really, should it? Jesus himself had warned his disciples that this would happen. And Paul picks up that imagery that Jesus used of wolves coming in among the flock of God's people and trying to destroy them. And they're not always easy to pick out. Jesus spoke of them as being wolves in sheep's clothing. And Paul here even more ominously says that they will even come from your own number. Even from those who had grown up with them. Even from those who were part of their church. People that they had trusted and shared with. Even some of them will distort the truth and try to take people off to follow themselves. See, here is what Paul really wants to say to them. Keep watch. Be on your guard. Because the greatest danger for the church is not persecution from those who don't believe. It's not the riots out in the city that are trying to stop them speaking. It's not being arrested and put in jail. It's not even being killed for a Christian, which is where Paul fully expects himself to be headed as he goes to Jerusalem. No, the greatest danger for the church is that we will distort the very thing that defines who we are, that we will lose hold of the gospel. The greatest danger for the church is that we will distort the very thing that defines who we are, the gospel. Because it is the gospel that saves us. It's the message of Jesus that changes lives and brings people to Christ. It's the gospel message that is God's power among us. And if we lose hold of that, if we let the gospel be distorted or watered down or changed, then we've actually lost our very reason for being the church of God. And that danger is just as real for us today as it was in Paul's day. I'm sure I don't need to tell you about churches that have let go of the gospel. Churches that have bought the world's lie that science disproves the Bible and, and so they believe that Jesus didn't really rise from the dead. Science can't prove that, so it couldn't possibly happen. Or churches who feel that the idea of God judging is too negative for broken people in today's society and so they do away with sin. So there's really nothing to repent of. Or churches who found that it's much easier to attract people with a promise that God will make you rich and successful and give you all that you want, rather than preach that following Jesus means being a servant, laying your, down your life for others and facing persecution. Of course, there are many other forms of false teaching around today than just those few. And many are far more subtle and insidious. And we shouldn't think that just because we've had a good foundation laid for us here at Shell Harbour City, that we don't need to worry about false teaching. Paul's words are to us. Keep watch. Be on your guard. 
Because even from our own number, people will arise and distort the truth. People who try to undermine the reputation of the leaders of the church. People who encourage us to not be so narrow in our understanding. People who will suggest we should listen to a broader range of teachers, you know, listen to their podcasts or, or go to their conferences or listen to their music. Paul said he never stopped warning the Ephesians night and day with tears. And we would be very foolish to think that we were above needing to take his warning seriously. But even though the warning is real, there is help. And so Paul encourages the Ephesians in verse 32 as he says, Now I commit you to God and to the word of his grace, which can build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. How will we get to the end? How will we face this opposition? How will we make sure that we don't get, get taken astray? By being committed to God and to the word of his grace. God is with us and he will protect us. And we have his words which save us. So if we remain committed to God, we won't, he won't let us be drawn astray. It's when we stop looking to God, it's when we stop trying to please him and instead focus on the world around us and how we can fit in with them, that's when we become vulnerable to false teaching. God is our power and strength and we need to keep looking to him. We need to commit ourselves to him and his care and ask for his help to remain true to him. And in particular, we need to hold on to the word of his grace, the gospel. Paul says here that it will build us up and give us that inheritance in heaven that God promises us. See, we're, and we're at a decided advantage over the Ephesians at this point. See, they only had their memories to go on as to what Paul had told them about the gospel message. But we have the word of God's grace written down for us. We have Paul's letters collected together, plus the writings of all the other apostles. And we have Luke's record of what they did and said. And, and, and then there's the Gospels themselves as we read about Jesus and his life. And at the heart of this word is the message of God's grace. That it is by grace that we are saved. Paul summarises it so well in his later letter to the Ephesians when he says, Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in our transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. If we remain true to that word, if we hold on to the grace and mercy of God, then we will not be led astray. That's why we put a Bible in your hand as you come through the doors each week. It's why we want you to read it and use it during the sermon. You see, we always need to be testing what we're taught. Does it come from God's word of grace? 
Not that false teachers won't use the Bible, but they'll be selective about what they use. They'll take passages out of context or reinterpret them the way that suits them. Or, or they'll simply use the Bible to illustrate what they want to say rather than letting the Bible tell them what to say. And we're greatly blessed to be in part of the world where there is a strong emphasis on God's word. But even here we come under pressure. People accuse us of worshipping the Bible rather than God. But how can you worship God if you don't hold on to his word of grace? Because it is this word, Paul says, that builds us up, that strengthens us to be able to stand in this world and help, that helps us to resist everything that would draw us away from God. It is this word that gives us an inheritance amongst all those who are sanctified that holds us secure in our salvation until that last day when we enter God's heaven and receive our salvation in all its fullness. There are big things at stake here. It's no wonder that it was an emotional and tearful farewell as Paul left the Ephesians, and especially because fully expect, Paul fully expected this would be the last time he would actually see them. It's his last chance to say what's really important for them and for us to know. And what does he say? Remember how I lived and what I taught you. Be on your guard against anyone who says differently. Hold on to God's word of grace. Friends, we have a great word given to us by our God. Never lose hold of it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the commitment that Paul had to serving you and to seeing those who you had called to yourself firmly established in the truth of your word. Father, we thank you for those who have cared for us, who have firmly established us in the truth of your word of grace, for those who have taken the time and effort to carefully explain to us that we come to you only by the grace and mercy that you have shown to us in the cross. Father, hold us close to yourself that we may never move from that truth. Father, protect and keep us by your Spirit. And Father, as we continue to look to your word of grace, we pray that you will allow it to continue to build us up, that it may bring us to your inheritance among all those who are sanctified, that we might stand with you for all time. Protect and keep us, we pray. Amen. <laughs>